This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Thanks for being with us for hour two of the program. Kelly McDonald here. Ramia Amadin here. She's at the studio in Toronto over on main campus. I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario, with the trademark fedora sitting on the top of the head as we work our way through another edition of the program. Glad you could be with us. And you know, Rami, I have to say, kind of miss hearing from people. We haven't had any phone calls lately or anything like that. Wow, interaction out on uh, out on Twitter at uh, the uh, Kelly and Rumya uh, Twitter handle, uh, in just our email too. Email People us. can send in ami.ca. Miss you guys. Yeah, uh, hold on. What is our email? Uh, Kelly and Rumya at ami.ca. Okay, I had it backwards. I should probably email. Let me just do that. Just in case. Um, yeah, exactly. But it's always beautiful to, to hear from everybody, and wonderful that you're out there. We know that um, you know we had a lot of people enter the contest um, for that wonderful bed, the mattress. We will be giving that away next week. We will announce the winner mm-hmm. as all that gets sorted because there were so many entries. I will tell you that now and looking forward to doing that. It's also, we look forward on Fridays to now visiting every Friday with our gardener, Susan Kearney, as we bring her in to talk. Today, something really interesting, Suze, and it might at first make you stop and say, what? But it's a living <laughs> plant wall you have for us, and this is at a school in Toronto. Um, Where is this plant wall found? Um, It's actually at the um, Guelph University um, Humber campus, which is in the uh, west area, I guess north, sort of northwest area of uh, the GTA. So it's, um, and this uh, particular wall, um, it's a new one right now. Uh, The plants are all very new. They're all very young. And um, actually was planted originally 20 years ago. Wow. And the reason why it was done is a biofiltration system. Mm. So these plants are hooked up to uh, a filtration system that actually cleans the air of the building that they're in, which is really interesting. And, of course, during the pandemic, when everything was closed down, a lot of the plants suffered. Mm-hmm. So they've put new plants in. Um, nice. The wall is um, five stories high and about, I believe, about 30 feet long. Uh, very cool and a very, very interesting idea. Yeah. I, I think a very interesting idea for the future. For Susan, where? Air. Just to give us another picture of this. So it's five feet tall, 30 meters long. Where is five, it? Five, five stories. Five stories. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Five stories. Yes. That's huge. Um, where on <laughs> campus is it located? Do you know? It is in, it, it is actually in an, um, uh, like a, a, an atrium. Okay. In, um, in the, uh, like in the main building, uh, in an atrium. And it, um, it's very low light, which is very interesting. Um, interesting. These, the plants have to be chosen very carefully. One, they have to be very low light, uh, so that um, because there, there's not a, a lot of sunlight that comes in, so they right. have to be low light, and they're also hydroponic. So these are tropical plants that can grow in water. There's no soil, ah. and be, so you don't want that um, contamination and uh, of, of any kind of soil. So it is water. It is a filtration system. 
that is built into the wall. And uh, the company that started this, I, I know that they've got other um, uh, other um, walls up, and I know that they do sell them. Uh, I probably will be contacting them just just to know about it, but they they will be selling right now. I can't afford one, so. <laughs> but it's a fasc- fascinating, fascinating. I, I I just think it's it is the way of the future. If well, we can put that into cities, um, yeah, you right? know, out, out, even outdoors, because they have outdoors um, to to clean our air. I, I just think it's very cool. Or you know, in a in a hospital, in um in long term care um, mm-hmm. places where, you know, in in a room because they have small ones too, small walls. Mm-hmm. This is a very large one, of course, and um, so it, I, I just think it's very interesting. I'm very excited about this. This is fascinating. Well, we think about the rooftop ones, right? The gardens yeah. and the, yeah. and, the, and the usefulness, <laughs> not just as an agricultural thing, but for the p- yeah. purifying of air. We think of the water yeah. exchange that we're talking. That it's nice. You exchange it out. You bring other water in. But what that the plants do for the water, what what they're ta- if the water's taking away. But the reality is cleaning the air now. Is there anything else, Sue, to your knowledge, I know you haven't made that call to these folks yet, but is it such a natural, organic thing that happens? Because I know we talked about it. Does the stale air get brought to the plants or do the plants just filter? Yeah, I thought it worked that way. And what they put out, obviously, cycles its way back around the building. Yes, and, and what happens is it's not the leaves. It is the roots. Mm. Ah. So in this case, the plants are cleaning the air through their roots. There the are water. lots of plants that clean uh, through their, their leaves, but these are actual, the roots are actually doing the work. So all of that, uh, those, you know, biochemicals, that, that things that we don't want to be breathing in, ingesting, uh, you know, like our, you know, in every building there's, you know, print, there's printing, there's all sorts of other things, that so chemicals that float around. They go into the roots, the roots clean it, and then it goes back out as clean air into the um, into the building. Are the roots in the water? So does the yes. air get pumped yes, into the are. water and cycled out and comes up as bubbles? Um, it, actually, uh, it would be like a waterfall. I've I've right. got a couple of small hydroponic um, units in in my house. I don't have anything that cleans. I've got peppers and tomatoes and mm-hmm. lettuce and such things. But, um, yes, the roots are in water. And when the, um, when the water, it, it does um, filter. It, it filters through. It filters through the roots. So there would be the air and, um, and water because the roots need air. All roots need air um, mm-hmm. to, uh, in order to, to live. Right. So the air would come through, the roots clean all of that air, and then it goes back out and is, is fresh air. This is so, and and I mean, like, how intricate, because apparently it's, they've got over 100 uh, species of plants in this living wall and over 1,000 yes. plants, right? So mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's up, six, up to 6,000 plants in it Yeesh. now. I mean, that and, is huge. We already knew by the size how huge it was, but do you know specifically any of the plants that they've got on here? No, I don't. Um, they would be non-pollinating. They they cannot um, flower because you don't okay. want to throw the, pollin- the pollination no. into into that mix. Um, no. You want that air to stay very clean, uh, and so it would be specifically tropicals that. Um, no, I I do know that snake plants do that. 
so I, I would suspect there's probably some snake plants in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would spider suspect, plants, so. would that be? No, because spider they need... Spider plants, um, they pretty well do it through the leaves, but yes, they can, uh, probably. There might be, yes. Um, well, and then and you also mentioned the lighting situation. I would imagine ones that Low can survive light. in the least were at the, are yeah. at the bottom of the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only and light the, coming yeah. in is through the glass ceiling of the atrium. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your yeah. your so they, plants they have to be very low light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine there's a formula to where you place the ones that can have the ones that probably need the most out of the needing less we'll light plants, if you want to call on top, and the ones that need the yeah. least would be at the bottom. Wow, mm-hmm. what an orchestration to put together! Exactly. I know it's, it, it is it is amazing, and I think um, you know the the power of plants. I, I, I think we haven't even learned. It, it's just interesting that somebody would have figured this out and and done this. It's just yeah. it is amazing. Here's a, what they're saying. They're saying that it processes 40,000 cubic feet of air every minute and it cools every down minute. the temperature as well in the, the facility. Yeah. So they don't have to yeah. use a lot of like AC heater. AC, yeah. yeah. Yes, it would be. And, and it, I, I gather that the larger you would have these units or um, put units in, um, then you wouldn't need a lot of, it, it would be doing both things. You exactly. wouldn't need a lot of AC. It regulates the temperature for you. Filter. Yeah, it's, it's and you have the water it's too amazing. to add to it. I wonder what it was like, Sue, twenty years ago. Like their their first iteration of it was it smaller? It was it, I doubt it. I would imagine be the same size, but I wonder what mm-hmm. they learned. Uh, probably a lot. Like twenty years that probably that that um, the you know the, they would have learned a tremendous amount and what these plants could you know can do. Uh, I, I just think I I I think it might be a really good way for the future oh uh, and of just, course just it to is. be among that green like the greenness yeah. the, you know, the mm. quiet of the water and the and 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 the green plants and just stand near that it would it would rejuvenate you even if it wasn't putting fresh air around you yeah they never get so you out cool. of there sue would stay I know, that's true oh my <laughs> yeah. god um you haven't been to check it out yet right I have not. No, I have not. We um, we got a little busy this week, but uh, I am absolutely intending to go. Absolutely. Please follow up with us because I'm so yeah. curious I about will. even the sound. Mm-hmm. I'm curious the about sound, the sound the smell. of it. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, I really want to know about yeah. the smell because I know we're traditionally ta- not talking plants that pr- give off, you know, a lot of olfactory, you know, scents, but yes. there's going to be a smell. There's going to be that feel, uh, how the air feels around you, everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. You mentioned, Susan, you know, like how uh, cathartic or just energizing or whatever it might be, the feeling Mm -hmm. of being around so much greenery, especially in an environment like school, right? We talk about therapy dogs and we know of facilities like the Apple Park and such where there is greenery invented, not invented, but implemented into the... Uh, the system. Yeah, the environment, because Mm -hmm. we know how therapeutic Mm -hmm. it is for people. Absolutely. Uh, yes, and and you can like just just to go and and relax yeah. if you're studying or or whatever. But e- even if we can put some of these into like long-term care homes, that like just one yes. room, one small area where someone can go and, and lunch sit, rooms and, for workplaces everywhere. Oh yeah, and, and that, I, yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. Even and if I you can't Susan, relax in it, just to walk through the space. 
Well, yeah. we've seen what yeah. it does, just one plant in an office, you know, in your oh, office, yeah. Yeah. let alone a whole wall of this kind of thing, yeah. and sitting down and just trying to find that calming place, you know, it's yes. absolutely a must, and, I, and there are so many places, out of school is the best place for it, and, mm. you know, really incredible, yeah. and, and like you said, yeah. the nursing homes. Suze, thanks, we'll talk to you next yeah. week, let us know, thanks. of course, report back on that journey, that's going to be a fun one. Mm-hmm. Tune in to our Gardening Chats with Susan every Friday right here on Kelly and Ramya. Up next on the Chatty Bookshelf, we talk all things audiobooks with Ryan. We know that, folks. Every week we do it. This week, he highlights how people are using audiobooks to learn and practice new languages. We'll talk to him in a moment. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Welcome back. Kelly and Ramya with you. I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario. She's at main campus in Toronto in the office. Behind me, the uh, foggy uh, skyline of Toronto. We've got the CN Tower over my left shoulder, one of our columns that uh, sit behind me on the screen. Ramya's got the actual legitimate columns right over there and that backdrop as well there at the studio in Toronto. Yes, that's right. I also got that nice white table in front of me. I've been really liking that. Um, we like to talk audiobooks going into the weekend, so let's bring on Ryan Huey for the Chatty Bookshelf. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Ryan Huey, happy Friday, man. Hey, happy Friday, and thanks for having me back. I love doing this, guys. Oh, we love talking to you. So you always find something interesting to talk about for the Chatty Bookshelf. What'd you find this week? So I wanted to start off, uh, it is February, so there's a lot of things going on in February, but there are a ton of sales out there for you guys looking to save a buck on romance novels, on uh, black history novels, whether it's a black narrator, a black author, and also some LGBT Q plus uh, books, whether they're a narrator or an author that uh, that is a part of that community as well. Uh, look, check them out on Audible, audiobooks.com, and a ton of other retailers because there's a t- I, I couldn't even, if I wanted to list them all, we'd need all four hours for this, <laughs> guys. So it was uh, it yeah. was kind of crazy, all the, all the things I saw. But this story was really interesting because it's a little more academic. It's a little bit more studious than uh, Ryan is accustomed to on, on the show. But uh, it's really cool because some younger folks, leave it up to them, all the, the tech gurus out there, are kind of do using a trend. They're catching on and it's catching fire, actually. And a lot of people are doing it to um, use audiobooks for something. And uh, it, it's actually really cool. And I was fascinated by this article. I read it about four times. Uh, it really just, it, it got to me. Hmm. Hmm. What is it? Giving us hints. So younger folks are using audiobooks to learn foreign languages or learn a second or third language and this is really cool because it's not the way you might think you know where you have the instructional book or you're using the apps or you're using uh, some other things what they're doing is they're buying bestsellers and books that they've read before in their native language so for me it'd be English and they're listening to them in let's say Spanish or German or whatever language they're trying to learn and they're catching on by because they know what's going to happen right 
So the first book that comes to mind for me is The Martian, right? I've listened to that about five, six times. So that would be the one I'd probably have to try out. But I wonder how <laughs> how into it I could actually get, right? Um, with, with listening in a different to someone, language. Uh, in a different language reading it. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's really strange, right? I guess okay. brighter lines will prevail. I'm kind of getting it, people... though. So it's a book that you already know that you would then pick up in a different language. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So would for you, you read Harry along? Potter, you th yeah, exactly. Would you read along? I wonder if the people are reading it in print along with to kind of get so probably. they sort of know or do they know the book so well? Because the other thing you pick up is all the slang, too, that's utilized, right? Because all our books, for the most part, it's not proper, proper. You're going to have the slang or whatever the interpretation, especially if they're reading it. Um, let's say an English book, a Canadian book, and it's been translated to German, well, that translation is going to be of the Canadian slang or, or methodology of talking. And, you know, sometimes when you read something and they don't have a word for what we say, um, that would be interesting. But, boy, would it ever right. give you a grasp at least to understand somebody talking in, in the, you know, the grocery line ahead of you. Oh, they're speaking well, German. And it was interesting because uh, in the article they outlined, you know, the four main things you you um, have to learn to learn a language is the the written, uh, the the yep. the writing, the yep. listening, the speaking, mm -hmm. and the reading. And the speaking and the listening are kind of the ones that are forgotten about, right? So it's yep. it's it's having someone that's professional and that's their first language pronouncing the words in the book to you would, would make a significant difference. And I think you might be right, Kelly. I think you would almost have to have the um, the English version or whatever your native language is version in front of you, either reading it or listening to it and and kind of just to, to make sure that everything is kind of the, the way it is right and and mm. i think that's that's the way that you'd have to do it but it was just so fascinating because i thought as soon as i picked up this article oh great another textbook article but <laughs> when they started going into this i'm like there was no mention of a textbook i'm like this is wild and schools are even kind of catching on they're like hey do you know what this is great let's teach you some second languages so oh you want to learn spanish here's some great books in spanish right uh, here's some great books in french uh that that are bestsellers that you guys might have read or, or listened to before and those seem to be the, the two most popular uh languages that people are, are picking up second along with german i'm really intrigued by this approach like honestly because okay so the other day i was having a conversation with a friend who picked up uh, french later in life and now really knows french like can speak it and hear it very fluently at least those two uh, elements um but he said the way that he learned was to go to a bar with friends who would only speak french around him and so he had mm -hmm. to just sit there and not necessarily even take part in the language but just to follow the conversation and listen to it so this feels like a variation on that right pick something you know and be able to kind of follow along in the conversation and listen to someone speak it very well and you're not really attempting easier, to do anything uh... else I wonder if it's easier to pick up the language three drinks in. I know, I know. I definitely put that it together <laughs> <osmosis>. as well. <laughs> At least you'd be a more open mind to, to it, you know? You <laughs> sure would. Like, soak it up like a sponge. <laughs> or maybe three books in, in this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah three exactly. Harry Potter books right? in. Yeah. Yeah, yep. this, yeah. Is, this is really, uh, really interesting to me. And apparently it's working. Like, if the schools, uh, you know, are catching on and saying, hey, well, let's make some recommendations and let's let's move forward with this. So I think it's um, something that's really interesting. Uh, whoever thought of it first and start of, you know, word of mouthing this around is, is wonderful well, because I can't, I, I just, I wonder, to me, learning a new language seems one of the most difficult things. 
I've heard of I, people yes. doing it in writing, like in printing. Years ago, they used to tell you to do that when you're learning a language. Grab a book in that language and learn it. And because, you know, even if you didn't necessarily know it as well, you, you, you could still kind of pick up. You could still do the things, see the words and stuff. So let's be fair here. You with The Martian, you with Harry Potter. Yeah, what would you do? You don't reread anything. No, and I wouldn't <laughs> remember would enough of any particular book to do. TV shows, though, I will say. Oh, when true. I, was a kid, I used to watch the Flintstones in French and learn better. For, I, I had a much better grasp of French doing that. No, that's that. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought but, he was going to say what? the audio version of the IKEA, ca uh, IKEA uh, <laughs> yeah. catalog. Oh. Gosh, and that's an interpretation of an interpretation of things I, that you could really get lost in, I would think. But do you know The Martian? Do you know Harry Potter enough? Yep. Or part, part of that if you listen to it in another language that you would at least, as it went along, the know what's going on, what's being said? It would probably be the first time that I would listen to a, a book in normal speed, if not slower. I, I was just going to mention that. That was where I was going with it. It's so funny that you brought that up. <laughs> because or else, how would you know what jokes are being made? Like the emotional parts? You know what I mean? You'd have to get into it. And to do that, you have to at least sort of understand what they're saying. And how much of it? Like, you know, you like would, if you were actually trying to utilize it to learn the language, would you just keep rereading chapter one for a little no while? Way. You felt, no way. No, I don't no. think you could do that. That right? would, would ruin the you. experience to try to go yeah, back. I would agree with that, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you yeah, are trying to... to learn the language, though. Eh, are they not, Ryan? Only sort of. <laughs> but Ryan? maybe that's the problem with the textbook. It's going over and over and over again, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Of, of the same yeah. you're trying to get into the world of it. Fluid, yeah. Yeah. And, and chapter one through five, and then, okay, now I'm going to... What what word was this? Maybe I would go back and and this is where your bookmarks might come in handy mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. you can go back and be like, oh, what was the word for, for for this or yeah. for that? And I think maybe that's what they're doing too. But I, I just I couldn't believe this. Uh, and like I said, what, what a fascinating kind of idea. And I I would have never thought of it. Uh, I look at uh, things on Audible and it's like, oh yeah, here's the Martian in German. It's like, nope skip and just like that that that's it right but now wow. i wonder if it's actually could yeah. be useful and and something i might be able to to give a try but it would probably take concentration there'll be no running on the treadmill listening to that or doing dishes or vacuuming sure. or, or folding laundry i think it would be 100 percent like we're sitting there with the english version and with the the let's just use the german version um and and paying attention that way would you pick german as your choice like you mentioned french spanish german if you guys if, were to do this, what's the language you would go for? Oh, I'd see. I think French you'd have Spanish. to choose French. Yeah, but yeah. I think I would want to choose German. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd want to learn Spanish. Really? Okay. I, I feel I feel it's more of um from you know just w whether we go to the United States, whether we have people in in Toronto, uh, uh, Spanish is very common and and in, in, in that sense next to next to French to me. Sure, we have lots of people who are German in in Canada and speak it. Um, I, I think that would just be, and probably I had family members that really liked Spanish. They thought it'd be really great to learn it. No one ever did, but mm. just, oh, that's a cool, so I think I default to that. It would come in handy at Blue Jays games and when you oh, heckle, my good heavens. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, you go down close up to the field, at least you know what you said to be chased off, you know, by security. I wish on Audible we could just like flip the language like you would on Netflix. Yep, you know, to, yeah, and just be able yep. to change the book you already have and hear it in another language. Because that would make that whole sitting with both languages thing easier, right? Wouldn't that, well, yeah, you could go back, you could yeah. work it. Mm -hmm. There you could go back and do a little working if you were curious. True. But wouldn't you think that's going to happen because 
of the tracking, the ways we could really do that as a secondary audio with audio with for, for sure with no problem. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I think so. The only the only thing I see is the publishers kicking back because it's like, hey, we've re I'm just using the Martian again, but we've released the Martian now in 17 languages. So it's like you have to buy each book. Whereas if right. you buy the one all encompassing, it's like, okay, well, how, how are you going to go? Yeah, how are you, you can yeah. select your language kind of thing. Yeah. Because imagine you could just pull the menu up and just scroll down German, boom. And it just instantly continues. Like that would be, and, and will be the way if you, if they wanted, if they could find a way to, like you said, Ryan, <laughs> you know, profit from it. Mm -hmm. But I don't, right, I, I don't know. I kind of disagree with the, Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. disagree with profiting on things like this because, like I said, on Netflix or on, you know, streaming, you're watching TV shows, you could flip the language and it's not necessarily um, making a difference, you know? It, it's just more what's available to you. But I think that it's cool that you broke down the four uh, kind of levels of learning, right? With the reading, the writing, the listening, the speaking, because this one is definitely more catering towards the listening than anything else. Like, I don't think that after you, you listen to The Martian or all seven <laughs> Harry Potter books in French that you're now going to be a fluent French speaker. Like, even if you exactly. did that forever, yeah. it's skill building the listening side of it. For sure. And I wonder um, if, you know, now that the schools are kind of taking that into consideration, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, you can read and write and conjugate all the French verbs, but... <laughs> When, when are you ever going to, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, to be able to speak gonna, it or yeah, understand exactly. it. Exactly. Right, yeah. good point. But in school, if you take a course, you do read your book in Spanish or whatever, So and the, and are forced to talk that way in the class, mm -hmm. but you're, again, seeing that in front of you. And I think that's a big difference, and that's how people who know the language <laughs> know. Yeah, it's, it's that argument of Parisian French and, you know, Quebec French. Oh, right. we're going to go there? A, there is differences, right? There's right. differences. <laughs> There's differences, right? You're absolutely right. right. So, yeah. 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 Very interesting. Um, yeah, I, I find it an interesting thought when we, we look at, and like you said, the model of Netflix being able to switch languages. I think that's our model, though. If, when it comes to books, it would be wonderful for us as consumers mm -hmm. if we wanted to do that or make it easier. But I, I think you're right, Ryan. I, you know, that would be that. No, I think the no, publisher no. Would, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's technically, I mean, you would have to hire new narrators and all that stuff. Ryan, really quickly, are you reading anything good right now? A ton of good spot. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just finished a book that we're going to be talking about in two weeks with the author and the narrator, guys. So countdown Ooh. is awesome. Oh, uh, man. forward into that. Wow. That'll be great. I don't want to give too much away, but there'll be some teasers coming up with that. Okay. But yes. Uh, it's it's wonderful and it's uh, such a great book and uh, they, they both did a fantastic job. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're having uh, you're coordinating with a lot of guests to come on the chatty bookshelf in the near future. So, looking forward to it. Give us a title and authors for that one um, in the next little while, so people can potentially read ahead of the conversation. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, guys. Go you Eagles! Too. Ah. He slid it in. Ha <laughs> ha. You want to talk about causing a war? There he goes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, man. He's so much, the master of that. So much, Slipping something in. <laughs> so much audiobook listening to do this month, I think. If you're following along on the show, there's a lot to listen to. But the Chatty Bookshelf every Friday where Ryan Huey comes with uh, audiobook conversation. We step aside. Cut for Time is up next, ladies and gentlemen. We'll go over a few of the segments that stood out and that we have a little bit more to say about them after this.
It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. We were talking on the show the other day, you know, about just those ways in which we want you to be able to check out different things that we we share during the week on the show. We suggested check out the podcast, subscribe, maybe give us a, a rating and review. It's the best way. And again, we find it's really hard sometimes because in the midst of a segment, we get excited. We want to jump in and we have to stifle ourselves and go on reserve a little bit, Ramya and myself, because... We don't have time. We're going to suck up all their airtime and won't get to some of the things that they want to share. So what we've done in notorious host greedy fashion is created a segment in which we can come on here and add our two cents, if, if, if you don't mind. If I mean, it's a little bit of fun. It also allows us a chance to recap some of the, some of the week. Ramya Muthan, of course, here. We'll get to what she'd like to comment on. Grant Hardy also will, is joining us. And how this starts is with I at the moment. I, I want to go back to uh, uh, our Monday show when we had community reporter Matthew Rochette on the program. And here he is letting us know about new various universal accessible uh, measures that have been taken in Montreal. It's not the first time I talk about accessibility and stuff. Every day, I know, Kelly, I know, bro, you have also a uh, reality that we're not living in the same place, but it's kind of common that sometimes crossing street with no sunlight or uh, right during the sun winter when there's uh, two feet of snow blocking the corner street, it is sometimes a real nightmare. Mm. I don't want to like, you know, cry and stuff like people think eyes oh, again yelling and yelling. It's just like this is a reality that accessibility need to be improved. It might be better. It may be better now than it was uh, 10, 20, 30 years ago. But the reality we're not is, there. No, no, we're not. Oh. Some of the things that Matthew talked about, and we reflected as we kind of got ourselves hyped up during that segment is I feel to me life or death um, the potential for injury because oh, there's not really a great spot to put this snow I'll leave it here maybe I'll remember to move it later when a plow's working and I'm um, a sidewalk plow a street plow they're doing a lot of work they're doing a lot of things I get you can't always think of everything or everyone but there are so many things that are done that make you stop and say yeah, but it's rounded for a reason. Yeah, we, we, you're not new in town. You know these curbs are rounded for a person in a wheelchair to go down onto the road. Is there a belief that they don't go out when there's a snowstorm? Or they don't have a reason to? Um, do we think there's resources that if they can't go out, they just pick up the phone and call someone or get on their phone and text and say, yeah, would you bring all my groceries for me? Thank you. I don't know where sometimes we make the mistake, and I don't know if it's as humans, we're not sometimes able to relate to the other guy. And I think sometimes that can be really frustrating and really hard for us to, to, to accept. We as disabled people don't want to always be viewed as that complainer, that squeaky wheel. I don't know if we just worry about people. I don't want to be around that guy. He's going to start going on about snow or about how there's no ramp or, or that blind guy doesn't have Braille on his elevator buttons, whatever it might be. But unfortunately, the conversations we still keep having. So we made the comment that things are better. And they, there's always better. I think 30 years ago, things were better than 31 years ago to some extent. 
Um, we know that we have to move forward. We know that chatter is what lets people realize, oh, we're still not there yet. When we go silent because we don't want to whine, complain, well, everything must be all right. There is proper ways to complain, definitely. There's no need for belligerent, you know, and I know we get hyped up. We started to get hyped up during that conversation to where we're getting louder, where we're getting more excitable. And I think if you're making a presentation to someone, that can be really hard, really off-putting to where you make them feel, well, I don't know what to do. And that works against us. I do think there has to be those conversations. And it's sad when, you know, poor Matthew during the segment is trying not to put people off by almost apologizing for bringing this to people's attention. And yet, I'm sure there was many people who tried to navigate those who had to go out to get something from their bank or, or go to a doctor's appointment who practically turned over a wheelchair trying to get around one of those. So uh, all I ask is just a little more thought of the next person. And that's really hard because we can't always place ourselves, um, you know, Ramya, in, in everybody's shoes. Mm -mm. Yeah, and, and you guys mentioned this word a lot, the reality, right? And the reality is that uh, seasonal travel can feel very different from day to day, uh, from one season to the next. Living in Canada, we have just absolutely stark difference from winter to summer, from snow to not snow, from wind to rain to everything else. And uh, everybody has a different reality because of that. As a white cane user, my travel is impacted in one way. As a wheelchair user, somebody else is impacted another way. As um, a, a person, an aging person, as a guide dog user, as people with strollers. And so really, like we're not even just talking about disability here. It's just that Everybody has something that they have to deal with and it can be difficult from person to person, from season to season. And so, yeah, if you're considerate of the overall picture for many of us, it can make that much of a difference. Grant? Well, it's hard for me kind of not to express some frustration about this because, um, you know, if you think about how much infrastructure is out there even for the the mainstream traffic lights like just think how expensive all of those are to operate you know there's one at most of the corners in a big city and people uh, get bewildered when the power goes out and the traffic lights go down because you know you're supposed to handle it like a four-way stop or whatever but mm -hmm. you know no nobody can kind of deal with that so we have all this infrastructure out there for the the mainstream but i don't want to say that people don't care about the disability community but i definitely get that sense because if you think about the needs for you know the blind and partially sighted community they're actually relatively simple like all you know all, all that i would find helpful are you know some plowing out of the snow mm -hmm. some you know reasonable traffic lights at, at tricky intersections that you can trigger at all hours of the day or night, you know, re like relatively simple things that just don't seem to be a priority for anybody. And that's talking about the big cities. You get out of the big cities and the accessibility just goes really downhill from there. I, f I do find it unfortunate because, you know, we have sort of, you know, like the token people from, from the government who will 
come on and say, you know, I'm here to make British Columbia or Vancouver, you know, the most accessible place in, in Canada. And then mm-hmm. you kind of go look around, we, you know, in Vancouver, we literally, we turn off our audible signals past about maybe 8 or 9 p.m. at night. What? And I guess the the idea is, you know, blind people must not go out at, at night. Um, and it's just incredible. But, you know, we're kind of told, like, to be grateful, you know, for for whatever you can get. Uh, it's it's pretty baffling. I, I mm-hmm. could sort of go on and on about this, but it's really, really, really frustrating. Hoping for some positive change. Uh, if you can get there and navigate around, uh, there is something pretty cool happening in February uh, on Family Day. Uh, family day february 20th we had graham foxcroft on from the vancouver eclipse blind hockey team talking a little bit about their upcoming event um it's an opportunity for us to meet new potential players maybe get players to come out and try blind hockey we've had a couple of players come out to the family skate and then stuck around and played hockey with us um so it, it's a really opportunity to promote blind hockey um just to be al- to allow families to see it to understand that you know it yes hockey can be a dangerous sport but it also can be a really fun sport too yeah, it's interesting because I I don't think you can underestimate the fact that hockey is our sport, and especially in British Columbia, but throughout Canada, hockey is is the game, and a lot of people, including blind people, are passionate about hockey. And you hear stories about people who, you know, look for any way possible that you know they can follow the Canucks game or you know get some time on on the ice uh and you know so blind hockey even if it maybe not you know i don't know that i'm really much of a hockey sort of fanatic myself i would be remiss if i dismiss the fact that uh people uh are really passionate about this game and sure it's a little bit of a dangerous uh game uh kelly but i think uh it's important to acknowledge the fact that we don't want to limit blind players because it's dangerous maybe a little bit of a risk for blind players but also for sighted players as well what i like grant is the fact that there's so many interests in different sports and that of course doesn't go outside of the blind community the the blind com- or, or exclude the blind community all of us have our sport that we love to do we love to play that we enjoy we're limited by what's available what's been made accessible and some of us don't want to be really that much of a part of something made accessible they may want to do something that they can do with some of their other friends i think anything that allows you that opening also grant I always think when I think about sports being accessible to us and think, wow, you know, it's really cool when disabled people are able to get involved. But there was a time when, and as we're in Black History Month, I think Mm -hmm. about when the segregation was there in baseball and in hockey and how in in the East Coast, up in Nova Scotia, and that back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, you had separate leagues and you had a, a, a black league where all these black players were were getting huge crowds out to watch them play hockey in eastern canada all right out of all places these folks uh, they're 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 um you know generations before them from very warm areas and certainly not 
from Eastern Canada playing and skating in hockey. And this to me is tremendous because, again, a very different time, a time where there was certainly in that community mostly have-nots. People just didn't have, but there was hockey. A great sport to bring them together, to bring people together who enjoyed watching these players excel. And yeah, you can stop and say, what happened? Well, it got destroyed, the league, and what happened to these talented players? Did they ever get to play in something like the NHL? Well, of course not. Not for many years. But when you hear history like that, and I think about it being here in Canada, I think about what a time to have been able to see that. But mostly, another marginalized group that would have been in that same category as us disabled people, if not worse off because of the hatred involved. You know, I really fedora's off because I'm darn proud when I hear that stuff, Ramya. Yeah, of course. There's something deeply satisfying about taking part in sport, and this is coming from someone who's never played sports, and maybe that's why uh, I feel this way now, you know, but there's something so intrinsically um you know just beautiful about taking part in especially a team sport so that kind of you know response from the community uh what we talked about on wednesday with graham about growing the sport about feeling that uh love for sport and feeling that energy of the sport growing in your localities across canada in the community and and having spectatorship all these different things come back to how sport makes a person feel and it's just really uh it's really powerful Sticking with Wednesday, we also had our bi-weekly chat with Kevin Shaw about entrepreneurship, and this week he covered a feeling successful in business planning. Business planning is, is really about answering those tough questions, figuring out how to get the product from your, your head, or let's say it's a, it's a basic prototype, into the hands of the customer. And there are gonna be a lot of roadblocks along the way the, the time to get started is um, at the beginning. So maybe maybe you've already come up with a solution to the problem that you're solving. We talked about that last time I was on about you know finding a problem that irritates you so much you can't help but solve it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you know it's like okay, I've I've tried it out maybe like three or four times. Um, people seem to to really like what I'm what I'm offering. Now it's time to like take a step back, do some business planning and, and figure out, you know, where are the, where are the holes in this? What, what am I missing to, to take this from, you know, doing this for my friends and family to doing it at scale? What I wanted to focus on here was going further back um, is just starting a business in and of itself and being able to say, hey, I really want to do this and where you find that value. Um, Kevin Shaw, like in, the, in the several conversations we've had already with him, talked about that, talked about the value you find in yourself, talked about um, how you will feel promoting yourself, putting yourself out there, saying, yes, this is a unique idea, and I want to bring this up. And I think that that is very different from just kind of passive side gig income, right? So... Uh, for example, like if you're not really branding yourself, you're not really putting yourself out there, but 
you have some ways that you're making business happen for you. You know, the, uh, people are coming to you. People um, understand that you have a skill and are creating that opportunity for you. That feels very different to me than saying, I want to put myself out there. I want to start this from scratch. I need to create the connections and band together the people to make this happen. That is just huge. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, there's there's a little bit of fear in me, even if I'm not necessarily in a place where I want to start something myself, there's fear in me just thinking of what it would be like as a person mm -hmm. with a disability to go out there and do that, to really say, I'm an entrepreneur and I want to do that. I want to give you last word, uh, Grant, if you have anything to add. So I have a great desire to uh, sell a product. You know, it's going to be $99. And we'll maybe have a couple extra monthly things to go along with it. The only slight problem is I don't actually have any idea what product that would be. <laughs> so that's something I'm going to have to figure out. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I I, I absolutely agree. I, and I think for many people with disabilities, um, that's actually really the key to success to be an entrepreneur because sometimes you have to create your own opportunity if there's mm. a lack of opportunity the only problem is that there's a quite a lot of ground for failure i mean all that has to happen is someone doesn't purchase your product or something mm. newer and better yeah. comes out and all of a sudden it's obsolete so that's a tough one really tough oh, it one. is and you know what? I think so many people do it because of the frustration of not being able to find work, so fed up because they're kicking so many great ideas in their head around, and they know they've got that creative uh, nature in them. And uh, I think that pushes that confidence. Grant, thanks a lot for being with us for Cut for Time. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Folks, we shall return weekend. to wrap up the program. Thanks, pal. After this. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Remember to check out our podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Just uh, simply look for Kelly and Ramya, and you can listen to the program at your leisure. And please spread the word. Maybe while you're in there, give us a rating and review. At this point in the program, we usually like to go back and just look at the the. The today's episode suggests a segment you may want to go and revisit via podcast. Ramya, the words are yours. What do you have for us? Interesting comparisons to chat GPT that John Beeler pointed out on our app update. Just, uh, you know, Microsoft making their announcements and then Google coming in with Bard, which people, nobody's covering apparently. So anyways, if you want to know the details, check out that podcast segment um i really found it interesting today talking about valentine's at schools with bill shackleton opinions yes. thoughts but hearing schools considering getting rid of it and some of the banning that's going on here and certainly down in the united states of it i say banning the lack of willing to have their schools participate uh interesting conversation with billy we do that on the buzz with him wednesdays through friday you can also check out the best of the buzz uh the first saturday of the month as uh, through ami exclusives in the ami audio podcast fleet okay on the weekend it's time to talk a little bit about speaking of ami audio uh, get ready for a fantastic night of celebration this saturday join host dave brown Greg Westlake, and Andy Frank for the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons 2023 Great Valentine's Gala. 
This is live from the Royal York Hotel in Toronto. This year, the CFPDT will, will honour the NHL, the Council of uh, Canadian Innovators, the International Paralympic President, and Beijing Paralympic medalists. Tune in live at 6.30 p.m. on Saturday. That's Eastern Time, of course, uh, and that's on AMI-audio. Nice. You can also take a trip this Sunday on AMI-TV in Postcards from Northern Ontario. Alex Smythe is uh, exploring Moosani and Moose Factory, where the Hudson's Bay Company first established their fur trading post, and Cochrane uh, is another place that he's visiting, a town rich in railroad history. That's Postcards from Northern Ontario, which you can watch on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV. An incredible incredible visit he makes there's so much so much cool stuff there as he goes to see different people uh really great one uh those that postcards the postcard series oh, uh, they're really all fantastic yeah they really really yes. are well Remy, we've come to the end of a week uh, interesting stuff go on technically a little bit we sort those out but we had some great guests and shows hopefully people will check out the best of kelly and Remy on ami tv and ami audio over the weekend otherwise we're back here on uh, on monday and one of the subjects that we're covering on Monday's show, I hear a lot about here in London, as we have people who have living in encampments. They don't have their homes, so they live in encampments, some of them right beside the river here, which can pose its own dangers. There's a lot of danger living uh, on the road and uh, not in your own home. Not everyone, uh, so there are some unhoused people who are living in those encampments and city parks, but not everybody is happy with the situation. Danielle McLaughlin will dive into it more on Know Your Rights on Monday's show. We also have Reaper conversation coming up. Now, Reaper is one of our favorite, like when I say our people in the blind low vision community, favorite DAWs to use digital audio interface. And they have a new release with some improved accessibility. So we're going to talk more about that with Michael Babcock when he joins us on our Tech Talk. And he's actually covering a lot more than Reaper, but this is one of the ones that stood out for me because of all the audio that we love. Mm, and so many of us over at AMI having to learn it, having to deal with that change and saying, hey man, I like this better than this software, mm-hmm. or having that experience from it because we've all played around. We have to create different things. <clears throat> Audio vanity cards from the <laughs> podcast. That's right. But our different softwares. Looking forward to that talk. We'll talk to you Monday. Thank you, Kels. Have a good weekend. Folks, take care of yourselves. Enjoy, settle on back, and enjoy the Super Bowl, whoever you're going for, and we'll see you then. I'm waving at you. Hosts, Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amadin. Reporter, Grant Hardy. Senior show producer, Jeff Ryman. Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc. Well, as many of you know, I'm a big basketball fan, especially for the Raptors. And 
I've always found it interesting how upset we can get in sports, especially when a move isn't made. Uh, we had the trade deadline yesterday, and we had uh, Randy on to talk about it from NBA TV, and it dawned on me as we're talking, when are you happy? If they make, unless you can't stand a player and think he does nothing but <laughs> affect the team negatively, maybe then you want someone traded. But if we trade someone, oh, I'm sad to see them go. If they don't, well, why the heck didn't they move those guys out or that person out? We could have got so much. So you understand logically all that. But there is that weird emotional stuff that you get. And when the Blue Jays traded Teoscar Hernandez, you had a lot of that. People loved watching the game, watching what would go on, but mostly what was going on off the field. When the guys just seemed to have so much personality, seemed to have so much fun, you forget these are millionaires you know, that are hired to play a sport they love and how lucky people are when they get to do that. We are funny as as people because I know I get really worked up and excited. I mean, I contemplate taking the day off for the buildup of, of the trade deadline, and if I had done that on Thursday, it would have been terrible because nothing happened for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I liked the moves that were made before and other teams, Kevin Durant and the Kyrie Irving stuff and watching the other teams get better or you know just say, oh, I guess they've thrown in the towel that they're not going to be a great team. I think that's the outside fun part of sports. The other area that I've started to really kind of get a kick out of is the business end of it. And there are more podcasts out there that talk about this. And I kind of enjoy learning, whether it's Apple's involvement, Disney's, and what they do as the parent to, to um, you know, ABC, ESPN, just the way things trickle down and the decisions. And we know in media, there's a lot of people being let go, a lot of unfortunate people, then people being hired or people being kept and you know, we all have our opinions on that, but the huge salaries or not, you know, why are you paying this person so much money to do that? And you won't keep this person on because you say they make so much money and yet they do this, that, and the other thing. I think it's always interesting to kind of figure that stuff out, see where they're going and know that they're in their minds, they're predicting, they're predicting the future or trying to just like these teams. So that's kind of where I also dwell into the sports thing. It's not just cheering for my favorite team. It's some of those other interesting areas. Um, and, and sports media, definitely for me, is one of them. Hi, I'm Ramia Amadhan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.